As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Hardy takes, sends Lloris the wrong way and sends the 8,000 inside the King Power into Ratchers. That's the sound they haven't heard here for 14 months. Oh, we're going to have a penalty here. Davidson Sanchez caught out by the movement of Vardy. Grabbed hold of the Leicester number nine. And Anthony Taylor gives Leicester their second penalty of the afternoon. Vardy against Lloris, take two. Same result. He's left Statues, the French international. And Jamie Vardy restores Leicester to his lead. And the full-time whistle has gone here at the King Power Stadium. So for the second season in a row, it's close but no Champions League cigar for Leicester City. Hello and welcome to 5000 to 1, the Leicester City podcast from The Athletic. I'm Rob Tanner. Joining me as always, and for the final time this season, is former captain and Foxes legend Matt Elliott. How are you doing, Matt? Yeah, very well, Rob. Thank you. Sad but true, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, to another campaign. But to be honest, I think a lot of people are ready for a little rest, aren't they, Rob? Not that you're going to get much rest with the Euros, etc. That'll be on our screens every day. But it's it's been a, a packed season, hasn't it? You know, congested, um, and it's been shortened and condensed as well. Obviously, loads going on, particularly from a Leicester City point of view, as ever. But I think everyone. It's just in the mood for a little bit of a breather when all's said and done. Well, yeah, because the end of last season after restart seems to have blended into this season as well with a very short yeah. break in between. And uh, we've been, uh, well, we've been relentless, haven't we, throughout this campaign um, covering Leicester City. Um, and what a final week we had, Matt. But before we get into that and reflections on the campaign and throwing it forwards to what needs to be done for another top four challenge next season, yeah. I'd just like to remind uh, our listeners that right now you can subscribe to The Athletic for a special price of £3.99 a month for six months. That's 40% off the full price of a subscription. You'll enjoy great analysis and in-depth features from the very best football writers around, as well as ad-free versions of all our podcasts. So go to theathletic.com forward slash LeicesterPod to take advantage of this special 40% discount. That's theathletic.com forward slash LeicesterPod. Right now, let's, um, let's reflect on the final game of this season all to play for 
against Tottenham. And what a, what an eight days that was, the highs and lows <laughs> of being a Leicester City supporter. I mean, to the extreme. Uh, and it's, it's understandable that after the euphoria of the FA Cup victory, that Leicester fans would be disappointed at the end of the season, having been in the top four for 242 days again uh, for the second season running. They've just dropped out in the final week. Um, mixed emotions, I would imagine, Matt. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah contrasting um, emotions, certainly. Uh, over, I mean, the last couple of weeks of the season was a blur, wasn't it, Rob? There was so much oh. happening. You know, poor, poor results against Newcastle, turn it around against Man United, and then obviously the cup final and all the glory and drama that went on there and the disappointment and frustration, uh, you know, after the Lord Mayor's show effect uh, uh, on the Tuesday against Chelsea, then everything was set up for a big grand finale, wasn't it? And it threatened to occur at one stage, but didn't quite, um, didn't quite come around, did it, in the end and uh, materialised. But, oh, <laughs> a roller coaster ride, that's for sure. But ultimately... I think most people will be quite content with Leicester's season. All said and done. Yes, an element of frustration, disappointment, of course. Brendan Rodgers admitted so himself. And I'm sure they would have loved the, not only the prestige, but the, the financial uh, boost that the Champions League slot would have provided. But listen, all things said and done. It was, it was a wonderful season, a wonderful effort in very difficult circumstances to come away with a historical FA Cup. A European slot, albeit in Europa League, um, the club is moving forward, that's for sure. And they'll be looking to do even better things next season. And who would who would go against Leicester in their quest for achieving the unachievable yet again? But um, yeah, well, listen, it's been, it's been a good season for us to be uh, reflecting on as well, hasn't it? You know, plenty to discuss all the time and lots to look forward to as well, for sure. I think what was probably the most heartbreaking aspect of the, the the final day was the fact that they had it in their own hands and Brendan had said before the game, make sure that if a door opens, you're able to walk through it. And the door did open at Villa Park. As we predicted, that was going to be the fixture where something could happen for Leicester to give them a chance to break into that top four on the final day. And they were there, weren't they? Villa were ahead at Chelsea. Chelsea had a goal, disallowed VAR again. Getting involved, two penalties for, for Leicester. It was so dramatic, um, as this, the finale of the season has been. Then Schmeichel, 15 minutes ago, they were in the Champions League. And Schmeichel comes out for a corner, comes off the back of his hand into his own net. That's the killer moment for me, not the Gareth Bale. I mean, the fact that Spurs could bring a Gareth Bale off the bench in the final 10, 15 minutes to make the difference. You know, Leicester couldn't do that. Uh, I think that sort of shows how far Leicester's still got to go in terms of uh, the recruitment and the building. But uh, yeah, I, th- I imagine the heartbreaking, uh, the heartbreak will continue for a few days. You know, especially when they watch the Champions League final uh, at the weekend, and they go, "Oh, we could have been in that competition." But overall, I would, I totally agree with you. I think at the start of the season, if uh, you had offered the fans the FA Cup uh, to be lifted via Leicester captain for the first time ever, and finish fifth, and to get into Europe again, and with a higher points tally than the previous season, I think fans would have said, "Yeah." Most fans would have said, yeah, that's, that's a successful season. But it shows how far the club's come in terms of expectation that some fans will remain disappointed with the outcome uh, and the narrative that goes around the fact that they've dropped out of the top four in the last four days. But I think that's sort of negating how far Leicester City have come in a short period of time to compete with these clubs. 
Yeah, 100%, Rob. You know, signs of progress, without doubt, are there. You know, they're there before your eyes to look at for those reasons that you just mentioned there. And it's, I thought Brendan Rodgers was very open, as he normally is. You know, he, he was sort of quite contrite and he, he was... He didn't try and cover up his emotions in terms of disappointment of not qualifying for the Champions League. You know, it'd, it'd be trying to pull the wool over people's eyes, really, if you if you made out that, oh, you're happy enough with your situation. Um, you know, you're always striving to be as good as you can. And Brendan mentions that regularly. But he, he sees the signs and he's very positive. He was adamant when questioned about his future, that his future lies at Leicester City, 200% in his words. So that seems quite categoric. Again, um, good cause for positivity, you know, from Leicester City supporters' point of view. Um, it was it was almost ironic, really, and somewhat typical, I suppose, of the last couple of weeks, stroke the whole season. You know, the fact that Casper Schmeichel, along with Yuri Tillemans, was the hero in, in the FA Cup final with that brilliant save from Mason Mount and Chilwell also on a previous occasion. Uh, you know, match-winning save. And then, you know, he's doing everything right. He's been one of the players of the season. And then Casper Schmeichel, of all people, comes out with a, you know, a basic error and a misjudgment on the cross. OK, he claimed he was affected by the presence of Sanchez. Don't really go along with that in truth. You know, sometimes you have to hold your hands up. But him, of all people, <laughs> and it, it was a big blow. And, and even then, there was drama to follow. Harry Kane, you know, in the build-up to Gareth Bale's goal, um, the third goal, you know, it did strike his hand. How it wasn't determined applicable uh, by VAR, I'm not quite sure, even though it would have been harsh, you know, it wasn't spotted initially, but it was by Leicester City players. just wasn't their day. It wasn't their day, was it? And I agree with you in terms of it highlighted a few areas where there are shortcomings from Leicester's point of view in terms of depth of squad. If they want to continue to perform at the level they are or hopefully improve that level of competition, they're going to have to make a few additions. And we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute, I'm sure, exactly what areas and perhaps what players are in the pipeline. But, uh, yeah, it, it was a hell of an effort by the players, though. I mean, as always, there are at least two sides to every every argument or discussion, really. You know, the injuries that a lot of teams suffered throughout the season, Leicester certainly more than, than most, if not every one of them, Liverpool included, in terms of key players, how long they were out for and the effect that had, the lack of depth in the squad, the way the, the pack was shuffled by Brendan Rodgers was, was superb, was superb. And I think it's been understated, really. It goes under the radar a touch, as do a lot of things with Leicester City. But... All said and done, when people look in the memory bank in a few years' time, that FA Cup was lifted at Wembley by Leicester City. Never been done before. What a moment to treasure. Well, absolutely. Let's treasure it a little bit more then, because Joel, our producers, asked us to uh, come up with our own end-of-season awards. Now, play of the season, game of the season, and goal of the season, for me, are all related. Uh, I don't know if they will be for you, Matt, but it's all predictable, I imagine. Player of the season, for me... Was Yuri Tielemans um, consistency 100%, played sixty games? Yeah. Played sixty games all season in a condensed season. I, I mean, there have been signs that in, towards the end there. He's he's been running out of steam, and now he's going to go on to the Euros and play an important part 
for uh, Belgium. And if they get to the final on July 11th, that means he misses the start of pre-season with, with Leicester and he's in straight into another season. But it's a phenomenal effort for him. Uh, so Yuri's my player of the year. The goal at Wembley is my goal of the year and the game of the season was that FA Cup final for the drama in the second half. Oh, there you go. Pretty straightforward, Robert. That's the, the conclusion of our awards this season, isn't it? But, <laughs> um, I, I'll, I'll agree with you on two out of three, and yeah. I could be persuaded to agree with you on all three. But <laughs> I, I, just to mix it up a little bit as much as anything, Yuri Tillman, yeah, player of the year without any shadow of a doubt. Casper um, Michael as well is probably in there, as is Johnny Evans. That's probably your top three in whatever order you like. But Yuri comes out on top. Um, especially on the back of the FA Cup final. I know, as I've mentioned already, Smichael was, you know, a, a co-hero, if you like. But Yuri was the man. That, that's the memory that will stick in people's minds, isn't it? And, yeah, he's just been churning out game after game, performance after performance, isn't he, and contributing to a very high level, week in, week out, game in, game out. And that's not something he was doing early on in his career at Leicester. I thought he was a bit, little bit short on his match fitness, you know, the pace of the game. And he's worked really hard on that. Typical of his professionalism and the character of the man and player. And, yeah, it's shown what he is. A top-class performer, without a doubt. Um, Had there not been injuries, it's a good sign. I think there would have been six or seven candidates, you know, quite conceivably, really. Um, You know, we'll never know because most players were out for a long period of time. Harvey Barnes would have been in the running. James Justin would have been in the running, running at the halfway stage. So, um, you know, that, that's, a, that's a positive thing that so many players perform to such a high level. But um, game, game of the season, uh, well, I, the actual game, do you know what? I, I 100% understand you picked the FA Cup final because of the, the tension that was there and, the nervousness and the excitement and the drama and the closeness of the game swinging you know, sort of one way to another. It could have gone any way at any time. Um, and ultimately, obviously, success for Leicester and the joy that followed. So I can't disagree with you on that. But I think probably the best performance, if you like, in terms of you know, in a one isolated game is against Man City. Yeah, that, what a great it's, game that was. To go there and play, I mean... I remember Leicester, I think it was the first time they'd employed, I might be wrong, but a back three, and people were thinking, oh, no, they're going to be negative. Uh, what they're going to do, just try and contain, concede an early goal for Mares of all people. And people have given up the ghost already in the first half, thinking, well, we've gone out to contain, we conceded, we're not going to score. Um, are we going to keep the scoreline down, basically? And lo and behold, they turned it, the game literally on its head, didn't they? OK, penalties involved heavily. But they were clear-cut penalties, but two superb goals, one from Vardy, one from Madison. And that just doesn't happen at, at the Etihad, does it? You know, Man City, one, losing a game, that's enough of a shock in itself. But conceding five goals um, with the swagger that Leicester City produced, you know, I thought that was a huge moment for, for, for the group of players, you know, sort of their identity, their realisation of how good they are capable of being. They didn't follow it up uh, to the level they would have hoped, you know, consistently, but... Some very good signs there. Very good signs indeed. But um, Throw in the uh, Leeds performance away as well in November. Leeds away was yeah, yeah, pretty comprehensive. There, there are a couple more that stick, stick my mind. I mean, not that they played particularly well at home against Liverpool, but for that 15-minute blitz yeah. that, <laughs> where they you know, turned over the, 
then champions. It was that was some performance. I thought Man United in the quarterfinal of the cup was also very impressive. The way they were brave, courageous, went at Man United, got in their faces, upset them. They weren't intimidated by the quality names that Man United possess and deservedly got the win. Chelsea at home as well, Frank Lampard, one of his last games, etc. So, you know, there were good performances, exceptional performances sprinkled throughout the season. But, yeah, I, I think we've just about got, got the right choice, though. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Hello, listeners. Sorry to interrupt your show, but we've got a small favor to ask. We're currently doing a bit of a survey to find out more about you, your podcast listening habits, and the sort of adverts that are most relevant to you. If you feel like helping, please head to surveymonkey.com slash r slash athletic audio UK. That's pretty catchy, so I'll say it one more time. Surveymonkey.com slash r slash athletic audio UK. Thank you. Well, here's a little segue into the next part of the podcast as well, because we're I'm going to ask you now about signing of the season. Now, they only made three, uh, and yeah. I think we can rule out Cengiz Under. I, think, I don't think we can class him uh, in the running, even though it's a, it's only a three-horse race for signing of the season. But both Castagna and Fofana have ha- made a, a big contribution this season. They've been great signings so far. Um, fantastic um, recruitment policy continues with those two. Uh, I've got to give it to Fafana though. I mean, I know Castagna's done really well, but Fafana's been uh, exceptional at times, uh, and and you could see it just it was just too much for him. I don't think the plan was for him to play as much football and to be exposed to the the physicality of the the Premier League at such an intense level so early on in his time. I think they wanted to ease him in, but um, needs must with the uh, with them all dropping like flies and the amount of injuries they had <laughs> certainly in defence as well. But the boy has certainly stepped up to the plate, hasn't he? And he, he looks every inch a class signing. Yeah, there was, there was no chance of being bedded in, was there? No, straight, straight into in. Fray, but I think you're right. Ideally, yeah, he would have been introduced. He's up for it, though, isn't he? And he's up to it. Um, yes, not just his his natural ability. You know, he, he, he's such a he's got all the raw ingredients, hasn't he? That's for sure. And in terms of physicality, um, listen, he, he can. He can cope the endurance, maybe. He's still de- growing, developing, isn't he? So, you know, they need to keep an eye on that, maybe. You're t- consistently turning out performances. But, yeah, I mean, Castagno, it almost slipped under the radar for me in terms of signing because he just came in, fitted in so smoothly. I feel like he's been there longer than he has. He's just sort of part of the furniture. You know, you know what you're going to get from him, but... The dramatic impact, if that could ever be made by a centre half, was made by Fafana, wasn't it? You know, the whole of the Premier League sat up and took notice, and 
after about five or six performances, you could hear people connected with other clubs recommended that the you know, the big six, for, for want of a better phrase, should be looking at him straight away, you know, to cause problems. Even Man United, who have got their issues in the middle of defence. Um, and perhaps down the line, that may be a problem for Leicester City because you feel that he's got the potential to be anything he wants to be. I, I think he's a little bit raw, a little bit over-eager at times, but that can be tempered. He can learn that. You can see you can see his raw enthusiasm gets the better of him at on occasion. But like I say, that the main ingredients are there. He's got everything you would want from a centre-half. You know, can, can play, he's strong, he's aggressive, he's rapidly quick. Um, you know, he's, he's physical. He can. He, he sometimes he looks like he's an experienced campaigner. Other times, a little bit of a novice, just a bit over keen. Let's say that can be tempered. And Leicester have certainly got a real player on their hands. And he's a delight to watch. I, there aren't many centre halves that you get excited about watching, but you look forward to watching young Wesley Fofana playing. Absolutely. I mean, and, and they've got to do it again. This is a massive summer now for Leicester City. I mean, we can dissect the season and, and look where it went wrong in terms of them being in a position to be able to clinch Champions League. And we can talk about the home four, nine defeats. We can talk about set pieces, how they uh, straight, fail to um, defend them and score from them. But ultimately, I think it was the strength in depth in the squad that just wasn't there in a season when they, in total, it was 142 games players missed. There were seven players that missed uh, double figures or more games through injury this season. It, I mean, I know a lot has been spoken about other clubs and their injuries, but not a lot has been spoken about the amount of injuries that Brendan Rodgers had to deal with. And they did deal with them so well to even be in contention. But... To get across the line, they just didn't have that strength in depth in the squad. And now they face a big summer of rebuilding in some at some areas of the squad with Wes Morgan retiring, Christian Fuchs moving on. Uh, Matty James wasn't in the Premier League squad, but he's moved on as well. Under, they're not going to uh, follow through his loan and make his move permanent. So straight away, there's three players you need to replace in the squad. And to push Leicester City on, they need at least another two. And we know that one of them is going to be Bubari um, uh, Samari. He's going to be coming yeah. in. I hope I've said that right. Uh, he's going to be coming in, midfield player. So he's straight away, Bolstein midfield. Rogers said he wanted physicality in the side, more physicality. He feels his side have been a little bit lightweight at times. He will certainly bring that in midfield. But I'd imagine you need a centre-half. They're going to be looking for a left-back because of James Justin's injury um, to help Luke Thomas because they can't just go in with one left-back. I know Pereira and Castagna can both play there as well, but it's not ideal. I think he prefers now a left-sided uh, full-back for left-back. And you've got to have a winger for under. And he wants to bring in a striker as well. There's a lot of work to be done. Certainly is. Certainly is, isn't it? I mean, despite you know the exceptional season that Leicester have had, the, the way that, that it's been managed, really, is, is a, a very impressive and, uh, Leicester City supporters will know because they focus on their own clubs, you know, issues and problems and how they fare. Externally, I think it it it, it gets bypassed a little bit, and you know, it's, 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 well, there's focus on the major clubs, if you like, you know, your, your typical big clubs. So there's less sort of scrutiny, um, and people just give a sort of not uneducated but an undetailed opinion at times. And 
the, the, the injuries that Leicester have had, with the amount of games they've had, you know, first venture into the Europa League, and there was a bit of disappointment how it finished. But before that, Leicester coped remarkably well, didn't they? With the, you know, the the, the whole tough schedule of games, um, you know, coming thick and fast and injuries, but it, it didn't perturb them at all. And it, it, it was it was you know really impressive to to see the way just ran out of gas a little bit, run out of in that Tottenham game, run out of steam, run out of ideas a little bit. Towards the end of the season, it became all about sort of grafting and grinding the way through, wasn't it? It wasn't fluent, free-flowing football like you'd seen in earlier parts of the season. But you're right, going through the areas of the team that look to need reinforcing. I mean, I, I think Brendan ideally wants to play a 4-2-3-1. I know he's not restricting himself to any one system or even style of football, but... And you know that's to me is his favoured system. Um, that's how he gets the best out of his team when they played in that way, and it suits the individuals he had. But you, you're right when, when they were at their free flowing best, shall we say? You know, Barnes was rampant. Uh, Vardy was was you know he was banging goals in. It, okay, he wasn't featuring too much in the game, but he was finishing off moves. In, you know, in those vital areas. And it was trying to find the, the 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 opposite wide man, wasn't it? You know, inside right position, if you like. Albright and been there. Perez been there. Madison even under. None of them really fit the bill. Madison's better in the central area, and then you've got Tillemans and Nadidi in support. But yeah, they, they, Leicester need reinforcements. They do. They do. Even even centre half. Now, if, if you're talking about playing a back three then they're going to need a fourth one, aren't they? If, if they're going to revert to that system at times, without a doubt, especially now Wes Morgan's out of the equation. I know other players can cover James Justin, Castagna to a degree. But um, you know, what do they do if they want to play a four? You know, do, can they afford to have four top-class centre-halves? Um, it's finding the levels of players, isn't it? The left-back, as you say, is, is an issue. I think, in truth, they need another attacking midfielder. Really, um, you know, if Madison, for whatever reason, is not performing at the top of his game or he's injured, you know, that, that's a vital area. Why players they need another striker as well, despite Ian Acho's resurgence. So, yeah, <laughs> I, I doubt they'll end up with as many players as I would like them to uh, in an ideal world, but you certainly would envisage at least four additions, I think, um, you know, to just to maintain the, the level of performance that they're at at the moment. If they want to go and improve, then they're really going to have to get to work, aren't they? That's for sure. Be interested to see how it develops. And they're going to have to be really shrewd about it as well because finances will be tight. The pandemic has had an impact on Leicester's finances as, as it has done in the whole game. Um, I mean, um, Samari, we understand, will be under £20 million. I mean, the, the total deal with add-ons and uh, and what have you, clauses in his contract, it will, might take it over £20 million. But that's the bracket they're going to be in. And let's have a look at some of the runners and riders for each position. I mean, at centre-back, I'd love to get your opinion on this. I mean, James Tartowski at Burnley is one that they've been trying for a couple of windows yeah. now. Not been able to get him. He's going into the last year of his contract at Burnley. 
there's some suggestion that Burnley might even try and hold on to and let his contract run down. Tarkowski wants to go and, and, and face another challenge. He's one option, but there's the two Turkish lads as well. Uh, Demiral, who was um, close to coming to Leicester until he did his ACL. And we understand Kavak, who uh, Liverpool have decided not to sign after his loan spell. He is also being considered by Leicester. Now, as you just said there, with Fafana, Suyunsu and Evans, are they going to bring in a fourth top-class one, a fourth international? Will, he, will they go for it like Tarkowski or will they go for a younger guy like Kabak and, and, and try and develop him? It, albeit with the, the risk of a, a Benkovic situation developing. Yeah. Well, who'd be a manager, eh, Rob? I don't know. It's, you know, you've got certain confines with which you've got to work and do your business. As you say, finances obviously come into it. You don't get a free reign. But I, I could see Tarkowski happening. But is he going to want to leave Burnley when he's probably got other options um, and then come to Leicester, seemingly fourth in line, uh, certainly initially? You know, that might not remain the case. He's, he's, he's a you know, very good defender in his own right. But he'll want to be certainly you know, considered for the starting eleven. He, he won't want to be on the bench for any, any length of time, will he? And yeah, I don't know. He improved in a short space of time because initially he looked very rocky, didn't he? But he was thrown into the the deep end to a degree. But I'm not convinced about about that option necessarily. But um, without writing him off, as you say, they were injured. Obviously, knows Sancho pretty well. But again, I I think. I do like, I mean, you've got obviously French and Turkish there in Fafana and Saichu. I do like having a communicator at the back there who speaks the natural language. I mean, maybe that seems a little bit old fashioned, but for organisational skills, I think it's very important. And I think you've seen that when Johnny Evans hasn't been in the mix. You know, it's, it's gone a little bit loose at times. But, um, yeah, I'd, I'd, I I like Tarkovsky. I like him. I think he's good, solid, dependable, can play a bit as well. Yeah, physical. Um, got an eye for a goal or two as well. And if you're on about improving the physicality, you certainly do that. Hello, I'm Mark Chapman, and I'm here to tell you what The Athletic has planned across its podcast network during the Euros. My pod with David Ornstein will become the Athletics England show throughout the tournament to bring you all the latest news and insight from inside the England camp every single day. Then we'll also have nightly editions of the Totally Football Show, taking a look at all the big talking points from the competition and looking ahead to the next day's fixtures. Now, if you're feeling nostalgic for tournaments past, we've produced an eight-part documentary series that tells some fascinating stories from both on and off the pitch from the last eight Euros. Elsewhere, Michael Cox's Zonal Marking Pod will offer an in-depth tactical breakdown of all the biggest games, while Adam Hurry's Football Clichés show will take a look at the tournament's alternative storylines. So, as this never-ending domestic season finally draws to a close, we'll have plenty of Euro 2020 coverage for you to enjoy as the tournament gets underway in just a couple of weeks' time.
Well, what about left back then? Because um, from what from what I understand, Leicester are looking to bring in somebody on a short term deal at the Bertrand's moment to cover at left back. They've got Luke Thomas. They've got uh, Justin, who they, they see also as long term. Ryan Bertrand has been an option they've been exploring. Now, if they want a one year option, right? Uh, he's only thirty one. He's going to want longer. So that one looks unlikely. Yeah, I, I don't think they're going to follow up their interest in Robin Gossens at Atlanta, the German international, because he may be too expensive at this time. And I think they see Justin and, and Thomas as the, the long-term uh, solution at left-back. But a short-term deal. I mean, I think they're going to have to be creative with some loans here and, and, and things like that to bring in uh, players to cover these positions. But Ryan Bertram is an interesting option. He is. Um I, I think Brendan would have well, known him from Chelsea days, would he? He would, um, yes. Going back then, see, he knows the inner, inner workings of the player. And, yeah, I like him. Always have done. He, he's a talented boy, isn't he? And, uh, say, boy, 31 years old. The time ticks by. <laughs> but, yeah, no, he, he's got the necessary qualities. But as you say, I can't... It'd be a bit of an odd one, wouldn't it, just to sign for a year? Or, yeah, even... I suppose two years at 31 is not too bad, but I'm sure there are other options maybe for Bertrand, you know, more more permanent-based. You are looking, I, you, would, you would imagine you're looking at a loan situation, aren't you? Um, you know, looking at perhaps not necessarily clubs, even in the Premier League, but, you know, players that are on the periphery who you wouldn't expect to be, who, who just want a break, want a change of scenery. And put themselves in the window, even maybe. But uh, yeah, it, it, if you're looking at it in terms, of, Thomas hasn't let anyone down, has he? I mean, he's got an FA Cup winners medal on his sideboard. Uh, you know that shows how well he's done. James Justin was as good as anyone in the Premier League, wasn't he? In whatever position you wanted to put him in across that defensive line, up until he got the injury. So, you know, I think they'd be right to to be patient and, and wait for him to come back round. And again show his worth so the, the loan option looks the most likely doesn't it Rob I would imagine yeah I think so well I mean and I, I don't think there's a clear contender I mean we know they're, they're interested in Bertrand but there, there isn't any other options that we are aware of at the moment let's move into midfield then because obviously Samari's coming in he's going to add that physicality he's that deep lying but also uh, athletic type but dare I say Patrick Vieira-esque as some people have described him but that's a big big mantle for him a lot of people have been Compared to Vieira, and um, oh, they have over the years up they? to that tag. But uh, yeah, some what about player he further was. forward though. I mean, again, circumstances and the finances may dictate this. I mean, but they have in the past gone in for Christian Eriksen, uh, Martin Odegaard. Uh, couldn't get them. Uh, Eriksen was way too expensive, way too expensive, and I don't think that's going to change now. Odegaard chose to go to Arsenal. Uh, didn't really pull up any trees there, but he's gone back to Real Madrid, perhaps alone is an option there if they could try and do something like that. They went then for Nathaniel Chalabar. Couldn't get that off on, pull that off on final day. But a little wild card is they've got Keenan Dewsbury-Hall coming in, backing yeah. up to the club from his loan at Luton. Now, he scored a few goals for Luton. I know that's the championship. I know if Leicester are going to be aspiring to be Champions League contenders, they might want the finished article. They might might need an Eriksen or an Odegaard. But... Um, it's going to be interesting to see if he plays a part next season. Well, yeah, it's it's such fine lines, isn't it? Because you know you want to progress and you you want to be successful while you're progressing. You know, sometimes you have to sort of bite the bullet a little bit, and 
you know, to go from the likes of, you mentioned names there, you know, been put forward, Ericsson, I don't think that's likely at all, really. Um, yeah, and there's also, there's that little bit of a stigma, despite how well Leicester have done, you know, people have got this sort of perception about levels of clubs, haven't they? You know, especially players from abroad. You know, they they naturally look to the likes of, I don't know, Arsenal's, Man United's, whatever. Um, and there's a certain sort of category of players that would probably be a little bit hesitant still to come to Leicester City. Um, wages, you know, is an issue. It's got to be balanced, hasn't it? And obviously amount of any signing on fees, uh, transfer fees, sorry. But Kenny um, Jusby, oh, yeah, he's an interesting one because I, I think Brendan likes him. You know, he's spoken about him very fondly in the media, pub- publicly. And he's he's in all sorts of plaudits at Luton. Okay, it's only Luton, but, you, you know, you can only play at the level that you're you're put into. Kenny, he's a lovely lad. I, I knew him from my coaching days at the academy when I was just involved on a part-time basis. You know, you couldn't meet a nicer boy. Um, brilliant attitude, technically very sound. Question marks about him uh, physically-wise. You know, he's only quite diminutive in stature, but he's he's developed, he's matured. That's not a problem. He gets around the park and he's, you know, he's really growing in confidence and he gets out there and he bosses the games and he's been doing it in a championship. Who knows? Who knows, given the opportunity? Because... You've got Madison in that advanced role, you know, whichever position he plays in. Now, you're hoping he's going to be fit the majority of the time. You know, uh, are you going to buy someone, put someone in there? And if so, where do they fit in? Um, you're not going to buy someone to replace Madison. Leicester, not at that level. Only if he was to go somewhere else, which I don't think that happened anytime soon. So you don't, you don't want someone with the calibre of an Ericsson, and then means Madison's on the bench or vice versa. You know, Lister haven't got that luxury at the moment. So it could be a big pre-season for Keenan Dewsbury Hall, that's for sure. Because I think, I think certainly pre-season, Brendan will give him half a sniff. I think so as well. I, I, I think defensively he thinks he's set, he's sorted in midfield. But I think just adding a bit of a, a bit, few more goals from midfield. I mean, Madison and Barnes chipped in with double figures this uh, season. Uh, but besides them two, Vardy and Iheanacho, I mean, the goals return was pretty poor with Perez and Albrighton and, and under you know, twos and threes, and that's it all yeah. season. So they desperately need to add to that. Let's so let's let's finish off by going up top. Um, they want another striker now. They need options as well to play different ways. We can see that Kelechi's done fantastically well in a two with Vardy. You're right. I think Brendan prefers to play with a three up top. But the two names that keep being uh, mentioned in connection with Leicester, Odson Edward at Celtic and Brentford's Ivan Tony. Now, I don't know what you make of these two. I mean, I, I haven't seen a lot of Edward, to be honest. Tony I've seen a little bit of. And he looks like the right type of player to me yeah. that would fit... At Leicester, in terms of he's mobile, he'll stretch play, he'll run in behind, he'll do all the things that Brendan's been mentioning he's looking for uh, in a in a striker. Um, that's an interesting one for me. But the the one that everybody's talking and expecting a deal to get done is Odson Edward, obviously for the Celtic connection with Brendan. Um, I wonder what you'd made of him. Yeah, again, I'll be honest, I haven't seen um, a massive amount of either, but obviously you see little snippets here and there and you get a general idea 
what sort of players they are. And I think both would be warmly received by Leicester City supporters. Yeah, you know, as not a second string striker at all, but someone to compete uh, with with Vardy and, of course, Ian Acho, but also to, you know, to maybe playing slightly different roles. I, th- I think both, I know Tony and Edward, in fairness, you know, they're both goal-scoring strikers, aren't they? But they have that ability to be able to be a little bit flexible, don't they? They're not, as far as I'm aware, totally out-and-out strikers. You know, to have that flexibility across the front line, although I wouldn't say either of them are, you know, inverted wingers, if you like. But, yeah, I... I I, I, I like the, the sort of the attitude of, of Tony, his story. It was mm. Newcastle he came from, wasn't it? Yes, it, it started in Newcastle, yeah. Yeah, it didn't happen for him for whatever reason. But he was meant to be the next big thing, apparently. But it, it went slightly awry for whatever reason. And then, you know, he's, he's put in the hard yards and rebuilt himself. Uh, and he's, he's firing properly. And he, he looks to have that attitude and that edge. Not saying Edward hasn't, but... Yeah, you you can sort of picture him with the, you know, the little Leicester tag, if you like, the underdog, you know, fighting against the big guns. I know Leicester have moved up a level or two since those days, but, you know, there still is an element of that. And I think his story, his character that he brings in the way he plays would possibly go down well at the King Power and he'd fit in rather nicely. And I think as well that whoever comes in has got to understand that they're not going to play every week. They're not going to be the main striker. Jamie Vardy will remain, as long as he's fit, the main striker. Kelechi will be the supporting striker. So they will have to be that that they'll have to be that realization that, you know, they're coming in, they're not going to play thirty-eight Premier League games in the first season. So sometimes I mean it's whether Edward wants to do that. I mean he's the main man at Celtic. But Tony yeah. certainly I would imagine would accept that role initially. I mean he's twenty five, he's still got plenty of years. Exactly. Uh, ahead of him. I think they that's can, more of a sensible one. Yeah, they can be patient, but they'll get enough games, especially with the European uh, challenge, you know, which lies ahead. So there's plenty of fixtures uh, to fulfil and plenty of opportunities to come their way. And listen, if you do the business, when you get your chance, then you can soon change opinions as well. And um, you know, as we've seen, as we've seen this season um, with Ian Acho, for instance, but, um, yeah, you, you come there knowing that Vardy's the main man, but for how long? And then there, you know, there are lots of twists and turns throughout the course of a season in terms of you know, system and and form and injuries, etc. We know that. So, well, we've seen that with Kelechi, haven't we, this exactly, season? Exactly, exactly, yeah. And yeah, Tony would, I don't know, straight away, he, he seems to me like it would fit, you know, probably a, a reasonable price tag. But the likes of Man City and Liverpool are not likely to go for him. So Leicester, if they did make the plunge, would probably be successful in obtaining him. Well, it promises to be a fascinating summer in the transfer market. It will soon come round again as well, the new season. We'll have the fixtures out before you know it. Um, Matt, thank you very much for all your uh, help on the podcast this uh, this season. It's been invaluable. We've uh, You've carried the show on your mighty shoulders. <laughs> oh, yeah. Building me up for a fall, aren't you there? But uh, thank you very much, Rob. Lovely of you to say, but you you know that you're the main man, and that <laughs> that man who lurks in the darkness behind Joel and Adonis before him, two producers. Yeah. We we know they're the integral part of it. But uh, no, it's been a pleasure to be uh, to be involved, and 
Uh, very appreciative of it. Looking forward to next season, hopefully, if, if things continue. But before that, we've got the spectacle of the European Championships to behold, haven't we? So um, I'm looking forward to that. Six Leicester players involved in that, so we've all got something to, to keep us going until the season comes around. Thank you to all our listeners uh, to 5001. Please join us again next season. The Athletic.